Hello and welcome to the program UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about the top 10 ghost stories. That's correct, the top 10 ghost stories. And if you count the one that I'm going to throw in here, I guess you could call it 11 ghost stories. We don't cover this very often, but uh, kind of a slow week in the UFO world. And I thought, you know, ghost stories are so much fun to hear about. And they do overlap with this whole idea of interdimensional beings. And a lot of folks think that there is a connection between the UFO phenomena, at least some part of the UFO phenomena, and ghosts. Now, this first article comes to us from LifeScience.com. I'll give you my story at the very end. It says, 10 Ghost Stories That Will Haunt You for Life, written by Owen Jarrison. It was written October 21st, 2022. From a spooky 3,200-year-old tale written on broken pottery pieces to amateur YouTube videos of ghost chases, frightening tales of apparitions, demons, and goblins have been documented since ancient times and continue to fascinate people today. Although these paranormal events aren't supported by science, they have persisted throughout history. And here's a look at some of the most frightening cases. You know, I'm not so sure if they aren't supported by science because of how much research is actually being done uh, by science on ghosts. So you, you, you kind of get the, the flavor of this article right here. 1200 BC says, Ghost Story from Egypt. It's a long time ago, 3,200 years ago, 1,200 years before Christ. Just imagine, this thing's been around for a long time. In 1915, Egyptologist Gaston Maspero published a translation of an ancient Egyptian ghost story, possibly set in Luxor, or ancient Thebes, and there's a picture of it here, that was discovered on four pieces of pottery. In the story, a ghost of, mummified, of a mummified man tells a high priest of the god Amun about his current condition. Quote, I grew, and I did not see the rays of the sun. I did not breathe the air, but darkness was before me every day, and no one came to find me, the ghost says. Boy, you can just feel that terror coming down through the centuries. I grew, and I did not see the rays of the sun. I did not breathe the air, but darkness was before me every day, and no one came to find me. I find it strange that he's saying that he's growing. The ghost seems to complain of some accident that has happened to himself or his, to his tomb, but I cannot make out what the subject of his dissatisfaction is, Maspero wrote. The ancient Egyptians believed strongly in life after death and created a series of spells called the Book of the Dead, which they believed helped them reach the afterlife. Now, the second one here is Ghost of Tupo. I'll put a link on these on the Buy Me a Coffee website. Go and check them out. Also, thanks for all the uh, help, that all the coffee that I've got this week. It's a little here and there, and it, it's not a huge amount of money, but it helps. And if you support the show and buy me a coffee or on Spotify, I appreciate that. Tupo was an ancient Chinese ghost with revenge on his mind. Before he died, Tupo served as a minister to Chinese Emperor Husan. It says here he lived 827 to 783 B.C., the two had a disagreement, and Husan had Tupo killed in about 786 BC, despite warnings that Tupo would come back and haunt him. Tupo did a lot more than haunt the emperor. Three years later, in 783 BC, Husan was killed with an arrow fired by an apparition resembling Tupo in front of an assembly of feudal lords, wrote Chinese philosopher Mo Zhu. And that's from the complete book of Ghosts by Paul Rowland. Yeah, so reportedly this ghost came back and killed the guy. That's something we don't hear about too often about these apparitions actually being able to transcend that you know, physical dimension to the point where they're able to do things to harm people. Although we do hear of poltergeists. We do hear of 
ghosts moving things, making sounds, moving furniture around sometimes. It's not unheard of. Chained man in ancient Athens. Roman Senator Pliny the Younger, who died in A.D. 113, told a ghost told a ghost tale so haunting that it survives to this day. There was at Athens a large and roomy house, which had a bad name so that no one could live there. In the dead of night, a noise resembling the clashing of iron was frequently heard, which, if you listen more attentively, sounded like the rattling of chains, disturbances that led to the appearance of a specter, form of an old man, of an extremely emaciated and squalled appearance, with a long beard and disheveled hair, rattling the chains on his feet and hands. Needless to say, the house was abandoned and had to be rented out for a cheap price. When a philosopher named Athenodorus heard the story, he reportedly rented the house and confronted the ghost. The ghost appeared and rattled around before vanishing. Athenodorus calmly marked the spot where the ghost vanished and in the morning ordered that the spot be dug up, the story goes. This was accordingly done and the skeleton of a man in chains was found there for the body, having lain in a considerable time in the ground, was putrefied and moldered away from the chains. After being given a proper burial, the ghost departed, and the house was haunted no more, according to Pliny's tale. Well, this this is a this uh, is one of these unresolved business tales that you hear about the ghost sometimes. Um, people will say that the ghost uh, haunted them, and then when they had to perform a certain task, then the haunting would stop. Now, this isn't the story I'm going to tell you, but I do have a similar story like that. I used to be friends with an old lady. She's been dead for like over 20 years now. At the time, she was in her late 80s, early 90s. She grew up out in South Dakota as a little kid on the plains out there. And they lived in a Saudi, little dirt floor, the whole thing out there in the prairie. And uh, she swore to me that uh, when they first had lived at this house, they uh, experienced hauntings all the time. There was a storm cellar uh, that had been dug there so I'm, I'm assuming they must have just bought this little ramshackle mud half dirt half wood house from somebody they hadn't built it themselves but there was a storm cellar like in the house you know a lot of times you put those outside the house but this one had like a little you, know, you might call it a basement today but that's where you'd go in case the tornadoes came and stuff and so in that basement every time they went down there they would hear noises and they just knew this this thing was haunted well, finally, one day, after this went on for several weeks, they moved in there. It just got to be overbearing. And her dad decided to have the idea that maybe there was something in that particular corner of the basement. He did the same exact thing. He went down there and dug it up, and he found a bag full of coins and some gold coins in it, actually. He took it to the sheriff. I guess he's a much more honest people, than, honest man than most of us, but he felt compelled to take it to the sheriff. And what he found out was that like 15, 20 years before that, maybe further, there had been uh, a stagecoach robbery because this would have happened clear back in in like uh, the late 1800s, early 1900s. This gal I knew she was born in 1904. Anyway, previously to them moving there to this little rundown ramshackle house, if you can even call it a house, somebody had robbed a stagecoach and they had uh, dug a hole in the ground. And I don't know if the house was there or if this is before the house was built, but they had put this bag of gold in there and silver coins what happened was these guys had robbed a stagecoach and this fellow he had escaped with the loot now the sheriff told him that they caught these guys even though they refused to confess at the time it must have been a killing or something but a couple of them were hung and they believed that this was this guy's spirit this bandit coming back trying to make things right i suppose he was just he was 
he, this ghost was in fact haunted by the gold coins he had stolen. She said after they turned the money over to the sheriff, the haunting stopped. Now, I tell you, at the time, I had a hard time believing that story, but she never told me, she never made things up. She was just a very serious old woman, and this is something she told me after I'd known her for a long, long time. So, it does fit in with some of these stories where the ghost has unfinished business. I thought it was strange in this case that the unfinished business was that the ghost was trying to make right something he did, and it's something he lost his life for. Now, maybe the reason he this ghost was so tormented by these coins I'm assuming it wasn't because of the coins. I'm assuming it was because maybe he killed somebody to get the coins. And this was his way of trying to find his own peace wherever he was at. And, you know, I also thought it was interesting. I said, man, your family was so poor. Why didn't they just keep that money? And she just said, well, he just felt like he had to do it. So it's almost if the if the experiencer here was compelled to carry out this work, uh, this ghost was just uh, insistent on. I almost think if this guy would have kept that that bag of gold, silver coins, that you know some, something might have befallen him that was terrible. I don't know, but it was this weird situation where this person comes back after death and is desperately trying to make things right. Okay, that was just my personal story that was related to me. Something that happened, you know. Over 100 years ago, maybe 120 years ago. Okay, this here says bathhouse boarded up, boarded up bathhouse. And it says the writer Plutarch, who lived from AD 45 to 120, tells a ghost story that has a much sadder ending than the one from Athens. In the city of Chironia, Greece, there was a boy named Damon who attracted the attention of a Roman military commander who apparently loved him. Historical records suggest Damon refused the commander's advances and enraging him. I think they're using love here in a kind of a colloquial way. Knowing that he would be killed if he did nothing, Damon got a group of friends together, ambushed the Roman commander and several other Roman soldiers, killing them. The city council of Chironia condemned Damon and his friends to death. After that proclamation, Damon, who had not been killed, had the council had the council members killed. Wow. Damon and his friends then took to the countryside, plundering it. Eventually, the townspeople allowed Damon to return, but he was killed shortly afterward in the local bathhouse. And because for a long while thereafter, a certain phantoms appeared in the place, and groans were heard there, as our fathers tell us, the door of the vapor bath was walled up, and to this present time, the neighbors think the neighbors think it the source of alarming sights and sounds, Plutarch wrote. Wow. So after this kid was killed, then we have this haunting back here at this bathhouse where he was at. Once again, you have this trauma involved. Now this is from the Tower of London. It says, Britain's numerous castles are hot spots for ghost stories. The 900-year-old Tower of London is said to contain numerous ghosts, and the Queen's House is considered by tower officials to be one of the most haunted places. <laughs> Among the ghosts in the Queen's House is that of Arabella Stewart, cousin of King James I, Arabella made the mistake of marrying against the king's wishes and was sent to the tower's punishment. According to the ghost story, she is still serving her time. Yeah, back then, if you got sent to the tower, it's kind of just like a basically a death sentence, I think, in a lot of times. I mean, you could go there and disappear. Kind of like what happens today in a lot of countries, and people are arrested, accused of being a terrorist or enemy of the state, and that's the last time you see them. As they say, the more things change, the more they stay the same, huh? It says, in another spooky tale, a phantom 
Bear is said to haunt one section of the Tower of London called the Martin Tower. A guard who saw the phantom bear is said to have dropped dead from the shock. The, the Tower of London served as a menagerie for a part of its history and held a variety of animals, including bears. This is something a little bit strange that we don't hear a lot about, but these, when these apparitions come back in form of animals, you know, of course, uh, I, I think a lot of uh, people just don't believe that animals have spirits. Um, some people say that if, you're, if you've ever owned a dog, you know better. Uh, I don't know. It just seems strange to me. Okay, it says Aokigara Woods. This this is the one in Japanese. I think this is a suicide woods. At Aokigara Woods, located at the foot of Mount Fuji in Japan, the corpses of dozens of suicide victims have been found over the past two decades, and the forest has become a popular place for troubled Japanese citizens to end their lives. Boy, talk about people needing to reach out for some uh, mental health help. I've watched uh, documentaries on this, and this is just a very scary, uh, depressing, uh, awful place. Today, there are signs in the forest urging people not to end their lives, asking them to seek help. Given the number of suicides that have occurred in the forest, ghost stories abound, including some alleged encounters with the apparitions of those who have died there, which can be seen on YouTube. Yeah, we've seen this. It's just a tragic, tragic situation. This one's known as the Exorcism of Roland, of Roland Doe. It says in 1949, a boy from Cottage City, Maryland, who was referred to as Roland Doe, not his real name, underwent an exorcism performed by a group of Roman Catholic priests. Accounts suggest there are conflicting reports as to Roland's alleged powers. Some stories claim that Roland had supernatural strength and could speak in ancient, and could speak in ancient languages that the boy had no knowledge of and could apparently move or levitate the mattress he was lying on. Since 1949, investigators have called into question many of these claims, providing evidence to suggest that Roland was a psychologically troubled boy who hated to attend school and that his abilities were far from supernatural. In any event, the exorcism took place. The events inspired a 1971 novel called The Exorcist by William Perry Blady, which in turn inspired the famous 1973 movie. Yeah, I think the child uh, possessions are really questionable, a lot of them, but there was some strange... Uh, stuff surrounding that. I'll have to say that much. Brown Lady of Rainman Hall. And there's a picture of this hallway here, which looks like an apparition, a female wearing a long uh, cloaked cloak with a hood over her head, walking down. It says, Image Credit Photo by Hubert Pruvlin, published in Country Life Magazine in 1936. Wow. In 1936, a photographer taking pictures of the 300-year-old Rainman Hall in Norfolk, UK, captured an image of an apparition floating down the stairs. It's one of the most famous ghost photos ever taken, although some experts believe it, has it was caused by double exposure. Well, I suppose, but it's still very interesting. There seems to be a lot of detail in this picture, but it could be my eyes fooling me, but it's, it's, it could be my eyes fooling me, but it's pretty weird. The manor covering an area, an area of 7,000 acres, that's enormous, has a long history of being haunted, and the BBC notes that the ghost may be of Lady Dorothy Townsend, the wife of the second viscount of the estate. She died in 1726, supposedly of smallpox, after having an affair, which her husband, Lord Townsend, had learned about before her death. She is said to still wonder the manor dressed in brown. Yeah, maybe she had a little help. Now, the next one here is the CCTV ghost. And this is kind of a, wow, it almost looks like a skeleton with a black robe and hood thrown over it. 
It says, uh, Hampton Court Palace in Surrey, England, has a photogenic ghost of its own in 2003, a CCTV camera. So this isn't just somebody just taking this with their YouTube camera. Caught an image of a skeletal figure clad in centuries-old clothing, closing a sturdy fire door that had flung open. The ghost nicknamed Skeletor attracted a great deal of media attention. Yeah, I do remember that. It wasn't just security staff who thought they were seeing things. She, too thought she had seen a ghost in the area, officials wrote on Hampton Court Palace website. So, yeah, you have one of the tourist guides there has also seen the same ghost at the same time, or same day at least. Skeletor is not the only ghost, ghostly inhabitant of Hampton Court Palace. Catherine Howard, one of Henry VIII's wives, was imprisoned there and was supposedly dragged to her room screaming all the way. The area that she haunts is called the Screaming Gallery. Oh, man. Uh... That's really messed up. You know, so oftentimes these things are connected with, with that negative energy, okay? And that's why uh, they, I think they're so uh, interesting because it's almost like this negative energy is left behind. It's something that just powers these things. Now, this next one, Amityville, it's a house that involved a mass killing. Well, I'll read it to you, but I'm going to tell you ahead of time. I think this one's been, I think this has been debunked as far as the ghost part goes. The Amityville Haunting is perhaps the most famous ghost story in America. Ronald DeFeo Jr. was convicted for the 1974 killing of his mother, father, and four of their children at their home in Amityville, New York. Reports indicate that the gun Ronald used didn't have a silencer and there was no sign of struggle inside the house. Facts that left investigators puzzled. This case has a whole strange side to it. Maybe we'll look at it sometime, but seems to me like the guy that's been convicted of the murders seems like he had accused somebody else of doing it. I don't know if it was another family member or whatever. And there were some questions in that case, but it's just it's just a truly awful, awful situation. In 1975, a new family, the Lutzes, moved into the Amityville home, having, having bought it at a discounted price. I'm not sure if that part's actually correct. They lived there for less than a month. During that time, voices were heard around the house. Her daughter developed an imaginary friendship with a red-eyed pig called Jody. The house attracted swarms of flies, was banging on the walls, and the furniture was said to move on its own, according to reports in the family. Yeah, there's been lots and lots of debate about how um, accurate these reports are and whether or not uh, the Warrens encourage these people to embellish these reports. So I have to tell you, this is one that I actually don't believe that the paranormal... Uh, activity happened the way that it was reported could there have been some sure uh, was a whole family murdered in that house absolutely it's a terrible situation but that i think that that particular case uh, kind of takes away from so many of the other cases that we have where you just like you see a ghost it's more like a sighting maybe an encounter when you get into these long-term hauntings where the houses and people are you have all this drama around it almost seems a little too involved, really. you got to get in this poltergeist-level stuff. Now, the stuff with the old buildings where something terrible's happened or where there's been a, a suicide or an execution or something, yeah, those are pretty common and much more believable. Now, the last story I wanted to tell was a story of mine, not personally, but one of my folks told me about. Back when they were kids, back in the late 50s, early 60s, they were dating, I suppose around 1960, maybe. They were going home. My mother lived out in the country. Where, they were, she, where she lived at, several miles 
from her house was a mental hospital. And uh, it was a place where some of the people who were really ill, of course, this would have been back in the 60s before they had a lot of medication. Some of those folks were just locked up. And it was just not a good situation. But some of them, a lot of them, uh, that were, uh, you know, would be easily treatable today, uh, lived there because they really couldn't take care of themselves. So they maybe have their own room or they would live like in a dormitory and they would kind of come and go on the grounds. And it was a regular thing where people um, would uh, just leave and not come back. Or they'd have to send law enforcement out. They would try to find them. They'd usually end up finding them somewhere. They would be confused, not know where they were at or maybe not sure what was going on. They'd take them back. And, you know, it's just kind of a routine thing, not a big deal. So oftentimes when people saw things out of the normal, and occasionally these guys would be out walking around at night, and at first, that's what my folks thought when they saw this thing. But that didn't last very long. They were coming home on a gravel road, driving pretty slow, being teenagers. And they see this woman, and she's running across this field, open field. And their first thought is, this is someone that, that has wandered off from the mental hospital. And because they were, only, were maybe four or five miles away, and they're disturbed. And we'll have to tell somebody when we get home. But about within a half a second, they realized that was not the case. Because as they looked at her, they could see she wasn't like a normal person. She was almost translucent. She was wearing this white, grayish white, uh, raggedy dress. She was running. And as my mother said, she ran like a deer, but she appeared to be very old. And behind her, she was dragging a chain, like a big chain. And said she ran across the field. She jumped up over the top of a barbed wire fence. She said she cleared that fence just like a white-tailed deer, ran across the road, run to the other side of the field where the, where the other field was at, and she was gone. And that was something that they've never really talked about. They've just told me the story once and never could explain to themselves other than the fact that this thing must be some sort of ghost, must be, that must be demonic. But, it, you know, I've often thought maybe this was the ghost of somebody who had died and perished in that mental hospital because they also had, they had some folks there that were uh, pretty well confined that were criminally insane. Uh, a couple of them, I mean, I hesitate to even talk about the crimes, you know, on a, on a G-rated podcast, but a couple of them had committed uh, pretty bad crimes. And so in those days, when they were clearly insane like that, there wasn't the most humane thing to do was to keep them uh, confined in a mental hospital setting as opposed to expose them to a maximum security prison somewhere. So that's what they did. And so it seemed like maybe this woman that was running across that field wearing these flowing white gown, you know, looking haggard and ragged and more like a ghost than a person dragging this chain behind her, looking like she was 80 or 90 years old, but running like she was a, you know, Olympic athlete. Maybe this was some tormented spirit, you know, that was within that region because this was an area that those folks would from time to time wander toward. It just seemed like it was, it was in the right direction. It was an easy road to follow. What what really interests me about these cases, whether it's my my folks where they've seen this this woman dragging these chains behind her, she's ran across this field, or whether it's these people that show up in these old haunted castles. And so, what are they dealing with? Just like the guy that was the ghost that returned to my old friend's uh, little uh, uh, sod cabin or whatever there in South Dakota all those years ago, he had something he had to resolve. Now, once in a while, you do hear about these ghosts being able to resolve the issue, like this guy. Uh, just making this her father feel compelled to go down there and find this stolen money and return it. But so often not, these tortured souls, whatever they are, seem to not be able to resolve 
this thing that's uh, driving them into this torment. Very interesting subject, though, and I think it doesn't get probably near as much uh, serious consideration as it should. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.